bless her from that. Say amen. That's good. That's good. That's what, uh, that's what we used to call a, uh, a golden oldie, I think. That's, uh, that was one of the first, I think that was wasn't that one of the first ones that uh, Patch the Pirate did back yards and yards and yards ago. Go to Psalm 103 this afternoon. Psalm 103 with me. I think you know where Psalm 103 is by now. Psalm 103. We're going to read the whole psalm. And we're going to look at three particulars of this psalm this afternoon. Let's all stand together with me, if you would. Psalm 103. You read along silently as I read aloud. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, let them look on with you. Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are, are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Father, we want to thank you for the many blessings that you give to us, but we're going to look at three in particular that come because of the fact that you are just such a merciful God. You've been so good to us. And that we're, we thank you for it. We pray that you give us wisdom and understanding as we take a look at your psalm. And uh, t the, this afternoon, God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Help us to see how important it is to be thankful. Help us to see this, this afternoon just how important it is to, to spend time remembering the blessings that I have so abundantly been poured out upon us as your people. We pray, Father, that you would bless this time together in your word. Speak to our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
This is a psalm that, in which David, if you've noticed as we went down through it, David didn't ask for anything. Oftentimes, these psalms are prayers, and he does spend time asking for particular things. But in this particular psalm, David asks for nothing. All he does is just simply praise God, and he, he blesses God, and he blesses him for who he is and for what he does, not just for the blessings that he's given, but because of the type of God he is and because of the character that he has. You know, have, have you ever spent time in prayer and not asked God for anything? I mean, just, just prayed and just spent time thanking God, praising God, and blessing God. Uh, just just, just uh, thanking him for his blessings and thanking him for just, for just who he is. I mean, you, th you think about it. You think about the, the, the more we understand, I think, the more we understand our, our own sinfulness and the more we understand God's holiness, we see that there's such a gap between, the, between us. And, and uh, it, we become, I think, when we're honest about it, we become, become very, very thankful and very grateful to the fact of, of how God treats us and who God is to us personally. Um, there are some people that think, and, and I've, I've actually read books that make this statement, uh, that, that say, uh, if you don't ask God for something when you pray, you're not praying. Because asking, or asking or prayer is asking and receiving, and that's all it is. Well, that's not true, and that's not biblical. Uh, you go to uh, the book of 1 Samuel, and you find that in chapter 2, Hannah's got a prayer, and it's called a prayer. I mean, the Spirit of God says, Hannah prayed. It didn't say she meditated. It didn't say she blessed God. It said she prayed. And when she prays, all she does is praise the Lord. All she does is bless, bless God and talk about how good God is. She doesn't ask God for one single thing. Uh, Hannah's prayer was, was a prayer of praise. And we can, we can still pray, but, but not necessarily ask anything of God. Just thank him for who he is and for what he's done. That's what this psalm does. This psalm particularly focuses on the, on the mercy of God. And you see that in, in several verses. Look down at verse 4. It says, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee, with loving kindness and tender mercies. That means that the kindness and the mercy just covers us. And, uh, and God, God is full of tender mercies and he's full of, of kindness, of loving kindness. Look down in verse 8. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And all God's people said, <laughs> you know, we ought to be awful thankful. We have a merciful God. We have a, a God who is slow to anger. Um, you know, honestly, we give him much oftentimes to be angry about. We often, we often don't live the way that we should. We often don't think of him the way that we should. And yet he's merciful and he's gracious He's plenteous in mercy. That just simply means that his mercy absolutely never runs out. There's no, there's no bottom to his mercy bucket. Look in verse, down in verse 11. For as the heaven is high above the earth, 
so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Now there, there he, puts, he puts in a stipulation. He says, he says the mercy will be great if, if you simply fear God. Great mercy is given to those who fear him. There's, there's not much said today about fearing God. Um, in fact, you, you, hear, you hear an awful lot about the love of God, and I think that's good, and I think that's right, and I have no problem with that. The Bible even says God is love. But understand that God is a God also to be feared. And I believe that, that, needs, to, that needs to be balanced. It uh, needs to be a balanced thinking in that, in that respect. I, I've, uh, I remember talking to a fellow who's an evangelist, and uh, uh, I told him, you know, I says, you know, when, you, when it comes to witnessing, you, ought to, you really ought to spend time talking about the negative stuff before you talk about the positive stuff. And the reason why you do that, and then we teach folks around here that when you're witnessing to someone, you let folks know that they're sinners. That's negative. You let folks know that there's a payment for sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. They're not only physical death, but also spiritual death. And that we deserve to die and go to hell for all eternity for our sin. And the reason why that is, is because there is a God to be feared. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can't find anywhere in, in all of God's word where it says loving God is the beginning of wisdom. It's not. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you start in a negative. Uh, this guy just couldn't. Couldn't pick up on that. He, 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 he you know, he, he just, he, he, he spends his ministry uh, talking about the love of God. And the love of God is important. Please don't misunderstand. But sometimes we, we get a false balance when it comes to looking at the character of God. And the Bible says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So fear, fearing God is an, is an important part. And then in verses 17 and 18, he mentions mercy again. Verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. He talks about the fact that his mercy is everlasting. And again, it just never runs out. It's always there. And he's, he links his mercy to righteousness. In other words, mercy is not a license to sin. Because God is, has been merciful to us, and we don't say, okay, well then, uh, you know, if, if God's forgiven me all my sin when I trusted Christ as Savior, I can just go on out and do anything I want to do. Well, I suppose that statement is true, you can, but you shouldn't want to because you should appreciate that mercy. You should acknowledge that mercy. And, uh, and, and be, because that mercy is there, you should, you should really feel indebted to the one who gave you the mercy. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, you go over there to Matthew 18. And Matthew 18, there's a man who is forgiven all of his debt. And his debt was huge. He couldn't pay it in a lifetime. And yet he tried. He said he was willing to try to pay it. And yet he couldn't pay it. And then another fellow comes up to him who owes him money after he just got forgiven that big debt. And, uh, and, and he shakes him and says, no. He says, I'll not give you any time. He, he said, uh, you pay up now. 
Well, you know what the problem is? He just didn't really appreciate what he was given. And many times that's, that's the case with us. We forget how great mercy God had to pour upon us in order to forgive us of all of our sin. And uh, his mercy, according to verse 18, are to those that obey him. If we, if we fear him and if we obey him, he shows us much mercy. Well, the, the, the overall theme just all the way through the book of the, uh, uh, Psalm 103 is, is the mercy of God. And there's three distinct blessings that uh, God says comes because of his mercy. And those three blessings we find in verses, verses 3, 4, and 5. Look at verses 3, 4, and 5. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. First thing is found in verse 3. He says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Uh, the forgiveness is now. The healing is going to come in the future. Uh, when, you, when, when we come to the millennium and a lot of the Psalms deal with a millennial reign and look forward to the millennial reign, it talks about the fact there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more, more, no more death during that time. And, uh, and, and uh, folks, folks, will, folks will have, uh, there'll be, you know, uh, no more diseases. The diseases will all be healed. But when it comes to the, when it comes to the forgiveness, the forgiveness is now. Uh, look down in verses 10 through 14. Verse 10 says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. And again, all God's people said... Boy, praise the Lord for that. Do you realize if he rewarded us according to our iniquities, if he dealt with us after our sin, there'd be no hope. There'd be absolutely no hope. There'd, there'd be, there, there's no way you could have eternal life. But because he's such a merciful God, he has forgiven us our sins when we trust Jesus Christ and him alone as our Savior. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad, you know, and, I, and I, I've said this often. Folks will ask me, how you doing? And I often say, well, I got it better than I deserve. That really is true because he's not dealt with me according to my sins. And he's not dealt with me according to my iniquities. And he certainly could because of who he is, because he's God. Look down in verse 11. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Fearing God brings mercy. And there's, there's really two kinds of fear when it comes to fearing God. The first, the first fear is fear of his chastening. And that's healthy. It's healthy to know that if you step out of line, you got a God who loves you enough, according to Hebrews 12, he loves you enough to chasten you. And he doesn't want you to go down that road because he knows what the end of that road is. And so because of that, he whom he loveth, he chasteneth, and then it, it uses a word I don't like, quite frankly, and scourgeth. <laughs> every time I read that, I, I get chills. Scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. In other words, he's rough on us. He, 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 he'll give us, he, give us a spiritual whipping. Uh, why is that? Because he loves us. Because he, he wants the very best for us. And he wants us to live for him. 
And, and so there's a, there's a fear of chastening. But then there's another fear. And that other fear is the fear of disappointing our God. The fear of, 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 of bringing disappointment to him by our life. And you know, as much as we ought to be afraid of the chastening, we also ought to have a fear of disappointing him. And one of the ways you can tell that a Christian is beginning to mature is that the fear of disappointing God goes ahead of the fear of chastisement. And you just don't want to bring sorrow and grief to your Savior. You just, don't, you just don't want to disappoint him. You just don't want to let him down because he is your Savior, because he's been so merciful, because he's been so good to you. Then you look down at verse 12, and it says, As far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions from us. You know, in the Old Testament, sins were covered. In the Old Testament, Sins were, were covered so that one day when Christ came and died on the cross, all of our sins could be forgiven. Today, our sins are not just covered. They're scattered as far as the east is from the west. I mean, gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. And they're totally forgiven because of the mercy of God. Then you look down in verse 13 and it says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Uh, God says if, if, if we'll just fear him, if we'll just take him seriously, that, that he'll pity us. And to pity uh, means to feel pain or grief for one in distress, to have sympathy, compassion, and tender feelings for someone because of their unhappiness. In other words, God looks down and he feels sorry for us. Uh, God knows that we struggle. He knows that we have, we have difficulties and we, he knows that we're weak. But he knows all those things and he pities us. He feels sorry for us. Verse 14 says, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Uh, he take, in other words, he takes into consideration that we're nothing more than living balls of dirt walking around. You know, that's really all we are. And he understands that, and he realizes that we're frail, and he deals with us accordingly. He has tremendous mercy, and because of that mercy, he gives us forgiveness. Not only does he give us forgiveness, but look at verse 4. second thing he gives us is redemption. It says, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. The second thing that he does is that God redeems us. And you look back at the Old Testament, and that was the, the, the eyesight from which this psalm was written, and, and uh, God redeemed Israel. He, he bought Israel out of slavery when they were in Egypt. And over and over again, he saved Israel and redeemed Israel from defeat and, and uh, gave them victory in various battles and so forth. So he, he numerous times you find that God redeemed Israel from destruction. But this is even more personal than that. Not just as a nation, but as individuals, he redeems. And, and if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he has redeemed you. He's bought you with a price. 
And we're supposed to glorify him in our body and our spirit because he has bought us with a price, because he has redeemed us. Uh, love and mercy cause God to, 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 to desire to redeem us. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1. When I read that passage about, that verse about redemption, I immediately thought of this verse. 1 Peter chapter 1, actually two verses, verses 18 and 19. It says, For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed, you are not bought back with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The thing that we were redeemed by was the blood of Christ. We were bought back by his blood. We were, we, we were redeemed because we were slaves to sin, and we had no choice. According to Romans chapter 6, uh, we, 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 were, we were servants of sin, but now we can become servants of God and we can become, and we are, if you're saved, if you trust Christ as a Savior and he redeems you, then you're, the Bible says you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Look down in verses uh, 6 through 9. Verse 6 says, The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He, he made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. Verse 8 says that his desire is to, uh, to redeem us comes from his character. It comes because he's merciful. It comes because he's gracious, because he's slow to anger, because he's plenteous in mercy. And, and he showed all three of those things to Israel over and over and over again. One of the things that, that, that I get every time I read through the, the whole Old Testament, uh, you see, in fact, I, I, I got a kick out of one of our young people made a comment on Wednesday night about, uh, about Israel. And uh, he, he made the comment, he said, uh, in, in, in the response to a question, he said, he said Israel was like a roller coaster. He said they were up and then down, and then they were up and then they were down. Well, that's very true. That's very true. I mean, you look at that, and they, they would serve God, then they turn their back. I, I mean, Moses goes up on the mount, and, and 40 days later, you're talking about a little over a month, 40 days later, he comes down off the mount, and they're worshiping a golden calf. You got to remember, 40 days before that, they were standing at the bottom of a, of a mountain. They, they were seeing lightning. They were hearing thunder. Uh, they, were, they, were, you know, they were seeing a, a, a light display of who God was and who God is. And they were fearful of him. And 40 days later, they turned their back on him and worshipped a golden calf. Uh, that was... That was that was their, their, their standard method of operation over and over and over again. It was just a roller coaster. And yet, you know what? God over and over and over and over again forgave them. You know, there's some people that think that God is totally done with Israel, put Israel on the shelf, 
and will never go back to that, that nation again. Now, that's not true. You read your Bible, and you see that God's not done with Israel, and in the millennium, that whole thing's going to turn back. Uh, Israel's going to turn back to God at the end of the tribulation. Uh, things are going to change. But you know what's miraculous about it? God wants them to. <laughs> you know, he's being merciful to them. And for years, that nation has had its back turned on God. You know what's even more miraculous? Is that God's merciful to you and me. You think about the number of times. Think about your, think about your most besetting sin. The thing that trips you up probably more times than anything. The thing that, that you have asked God to forgive you for more than any other fault or any other sin. You know, if you go to him and you repent and you ask him to forgive you and you confess your sin, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know that anytime you have done that and done that sincerely, he has never, ever, ever told you no? Isn't that good? Isn't that a blessing? He's never told you no. He's always forgiven you. And because, because um, and, 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 and though, though he is, and because he is merciful, according to verse 9, says he doesn't continually scold us. He's not like we are. He doesn't harp people <laughs> like sometimes we do. But there, there's, there's, there's a time when he just, he just backs off and then just deals with us. And then the third thing that you find that, that uh, is a blessing of mercy is not only forgiveness and redemption, but look down in verse 5. It says, Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The last thing he gives us is satisfaction. He satisfies us with good. And, and only good things will bring true satisfaction. When I, I believe this with all my heart. I've, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of others. When a, when a uh, person who's saved tries to get satisfaction from the world, tries to get satisfaction from the flesh, tries to get satisfaction from carnal things, real satisfaction doesn't come. The reason why is because the only way you're going to get truly satisfied is through the Lord Jesus Christ through doing good, through, through, through feasting on the things of God. Uh, only God gives, gives true satisfaction. Look at verses 15 through 18. It says, As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it and is gone, the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments, to do them. Uh, true satisfaction is obtained when we receive his mercy and when we receive his righteousness. And, and th this is what, what causes us to bless him. We see his mercy in our lives. We see his goodness. We see his righteousness in, his life, in, our, in our lives. And, and we turn around and we bless the Lord. Remember who God is. Take time to bless the Lord. You know, I, 
I have really enjoyed this particular this particular psalm. Uh, we've been we've been doing verses one through five, and that's been the the uh, the passage, the scripture passage of the month. I enjoy hearing all of us together say, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name." You know what I'm encouraged to do every time I read that. You know, I I realize I probably don't bless Him enough. I probably don't remember Him enough. I don't appreciate his mercy enough. And the truth of the matter is God has been abundantly merciful to me. He's been abundantly merciful to you. We need to take time and just remember his mercy. And and remember this, if you want his mercy, you got to fear him. You got to realize that he's a he's a God to be feared, and and uh, he's a God of love, he's a God of mercy, he's a God of kindness, but he's also one to be feared. And if you want his mercy, we have to fear him, we have to obey him, and and honestly, I believe what we need to do is just appreciate already what he has done for us. He has given us forgiveness, he has given us redemption, and he has given us satisfaction that we couldn't get anywhere else. We can only get it from God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I want to thank you so much for the redemption, for the forgiveness, and Lord, for the satisfaction that you give to us because of Jesus Christ. We're so thankful for your mercy. We're so thankful for your grace and your loving kindness toward us. Forgive us for complaining as much as we do and not blessing our God more than we do. I pray that you would work on our hearts even, even this afternoon and help us, to, help us to see how important it is for us to fear you, how important it is to bless you and to just be thankful and grateful for all that you've done for us that we need to from time to time just set time aside and just do nothing more than to just bless our God because you have been so good to us please work on our hearts on that on that subject this this afternoon and God as you speak to our hearts help us to respond to you bless this invitation may you have your will in your way in our hearts, for us in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.